Thundergrunt. Bob, Bob, I want you to introduce yourself, say what you do, and say your Twitter handle. I am Jimmy George. I am a screenwriter and full-time script consultant. My Twitter handle is at Jimmy R. George. I am Jamie Nash, screenwriter, and that's it. And my Twitter <laughs> handle. <laughs> that's all he does. And Juggles, dude. That's right. You can see my juggling videos at... Jamie underscore Nash on Twitter. And I'm Bob Rose. I'm a filmmaker and I can't juggle and I don't script butcher. And I'm at Thunder Grunt Bob on Twitter. And today we're going to talk about a classic. Uh, uh, we haven't done a classic in a while, guys. Yeah, I know. Yeah. We've been ragging on the <laughs> ragging on new blockbusters. Stuff. <laughs> Everyone's going to be like those guys and their nostalgia. God. They love all the old stuff and hate all the new stuff. Yeah. We're going to talk about Men in Black. Yeah, because the new one's approaching, so we figured we'd revisit the what started it all, right? It's in a couple weeks. Yep, Men in Black. I guess you call it Men in Black 4. Yeah, the international, four. but it yeah. is I don't four. know what the date, but I remember when Will Smith was king of 4th of July. Yes. All his movies, and I was wondering if Men in Black hits somewhere around that, the new Second sequel. one. I th- oh. I don't, I don't know. Oh, I was, my my wife was date. asking me, when does it come out? And I was like, I wonder if they're still doing that kind of 4th of July thing. I, uh, I think, think it's, it's mid-June. June. <laughs> it might be June, yeah. yeah. It's a little early, like a week early. Spider-Man has taken over the July slots. Ah, oh. Yeah. Okay, well, there's enough of those movies, too. Will Smith is spider-man right yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we're talking about the first men in black movie yes only yes Circa not 1997 1997 it's a 90s movie and jamie yes how successful was this movie this movie was very successful in fact <laughs> it no was, shit the, it was number two that year behind Oh, uh, God. It's 97. A big right? movie. Uh, big. Titanic. Titanic. <laughs> I would have slapped myself. You guys myself. couldn't see, but Jamie was, yeah, Jamie was making the this Titanic. Big. Yeah. I was, I was doing an impersonation of, well, I don't know, the boat, I don't know, the iceberg. Small um, note, I've still never seen Titanic. No. Really? No. I've never seen Titanic. Why? J- J- huh? On Jamie's Twitter profile, it's very clearly <laughs> wrote, stated that he wrote it. I know Jamie wrote <laughs> it wrote according to Twitter, but I didn't see it. I'm sorry, I wrote Jamie. the Asylum version of Titanic. <laughs> um, Titanic 2. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I can't believe you haven't seen Titanic. Why it's, not? Because uh, it's a thing now? Not that I wanted to talk about this on the podcast. Celine Dion? I, no, because <laughs> when I was younger, it just seemed like... A bunch of the people I didn't like in high school loved Titanic, uh, and I was like, "That's not a cool movie to see." And then I never <laughs> saw it, and then it just got funny that I had I was the guy I that see. didn't see Titanic. It's just the thing. So now I just want to like stick with it for the rest of my life. <laughs> I saw it a couple. We times should do an episode the just to no, don't do it. Yeah. 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 Next week, Titanic. <laughs> Titanic. No. <laughs> anyway, uh, I have nothing against it. Go, uh, go yeah, you, yeah, I mean, at this point, you should, but you should probably wait to see it on the screen or something. It yeah, when sense. there's an event, I might break 3D, it. 3D, James Cameron, some Avatar pre-Avatar <laughs> James yeah. Cameron yeah. fest. I'll, I'll yeah. break that rule. Yeah, yeah I'll do like 1,000 frames per second. Remaster, right? Yeah. Okay, so Men in Black uh, was second to Titanic. Okay, which means it's really just for the number one movie because Titanic's not a fair comparison. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And it had a domestic take of 250 million dollars. God, in '97, and a foreign take of three 338 million dollars. Man, for a grand total of 589. Uh, million dollars. Is this with inflation? I I no, I don't have my page. <laughs> What's I that, Jamie? Copied it. I just copied it out of box office mojo, so I don't think yeah, so. I don't think it's don't so think inflation. That's, that's they list that that's what the actual numbers. Real dollars. That's yeah. an impressive amount of money. Now, interestingly yeah. enough, like Titanic was like six hundred. It, it beat it domestically. Yeah. It's, it's double take. So that was a that was almost a 
must have been like a turning point as far as box office went. Yeah. Uh, you know, for the for just box office history. Wow. Um, and it was written by. It was based on a comic book. The comic book. Anybody read the comic? I went and read a few issues. You did. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, back then, I, I yeah, because it was the movie was in like, preparation. You know. I was curious, and I don't think it had a long run. I think it was no. There's only short. ten issues over That's two only years. Ten issues, yeah. yeah. Um, my understanding was it was quite different. Very different. And and the tone was not jokey at Dark all. tone. And Super instead serious. Instead of like erasing memories, they killed people. Yeah. You know? it was I've heard it compared from like the original Turtles comic to how Turtles okay. turned out. Yeah. And this was kind of. I would say it's even kinda, darker than it's the even darker than. Okay. Turtles. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. tur- Turtles at least had the silliness of being but you did have, yeah, right, 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 yeah. right, right. You did yeah. have Jay and you did have K and you had Zed and you had. And they investigated other paranormal things, right. not just UFOs. Yeah. That was the other thing, which I could have seen this so franchise like expanding to yeah. a little bit more X Files, yeah. except they were the ones controlling, you know, everything yeah. behind the scenes. Right. They were more like the cigarette smoking man. Yeah. There's yes. a there's a movie also. I remember seeing it in uh, a film class, and I was like, "Whoa, this is crazy!" Um, called "Brother from Another Planet," and yeah. I, and mm-hmm. I'm not. Yep, I've seen it. And there are two comedic men in black in that movie. Oh wow. That took place way before all this. That kind of it's it almost feels like that was the spark for all of this. For that to take place. Yeah. yeah. For this independent, low budget move alien movie. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's a great film, by the Inter- way. Yeah. I don't I don't know if it was Wikipedia or something. It said That's Miles that- Dyson stars in that, doesn't he? Um, uh I, I think I so. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Wikipedia or something said that John Landis was originally approached to do this movie. Whoa. And he wow. turned it down because he said it was like uh, the Blues Brothers with UFOs. So he didn't want to do he it. He did then? not. He turned it down at the time. <laughs> oh yeah, the sunglasses, huh? It's I, almost like well, tailor made. They're wearing suits. They're wearing suits yeah. and yeah. suits and sunglasses. So can you see Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi? No, yeah, I, right, right. Yes, I could kind of see it. <laughs> I could kind of see. I could see him in the outfits and the sunglasses, but maybe the rest wouldn't change a thing. Still, no, no. no. I love and then they recruit movie. John Goodman to be right, the right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, uh, who wrote it? It was written by Ed Solomon, who we've talked about on the podcast before. We're all fanboys of Ed Solomon, I think. What else did he write? uh, Bill and Ted and Bill and Ted 2 and many other fun things. Well, I guess it's not called Bill and Ted 2, is it? Bogus Journey, Jamie. Bogus Journey. I was going to call it Go to Hell, and I was like, that's not right. I actually have the Go to Hell script signed (laughs) by Alex Winter in my room. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's a puff in my mind. I was like, Bill and Ted Go to Hell. That's not it. (laughs) I'll just call it Bill and Ted 2. (laughs) So... And we won't go back over it, but Ed, you know, his career was, it started out in the sitcoms and then he ended up doing Bill and Ted and then he went on to a huge career and they got, they gave him this movie. I think it went to Sonnenfeld first, Barry Sonnenfeld, Mm -hmm. the direct after Landis turned it down. He was coming off of the Adams family movies. So they wanted to bring that. That kind of tone. He's really, he had, he had a nineties. He was on it. He was on it in the nineties. He was on it. He was on On it. Fire. So uh, after he came on, then they brought Ed to be the writer. I actually I don't know. Did Chicken and Egg? I'm not uh, yeah, sure who came first history. or what came second. Yeah. Right, but the, Barry was brought on to do that. So Ed wrote it, and Ed's a solo writer. He wrote it all throughout. I've never really heard any other writers contributing or any punch. He didn't do anything. it with Chris Matheson. He did I mean, not. Okay. He it did not. Feels yeah. like Ed Solomon. You oh, know, like 100. <laughs> percent yeah, yeah. In in all the right ways. I yes. Mean, mm. And when I, brought, I was watching that, I was like, I mean, I feel like this is just going to be the Bill and Ted podcast with different, <laughs> a different premise. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. Gonna, let's try our best not to make it yeah, that. Yeah, you know, yeah, but yeah. yeah. And I'm sure if we eventually do a Ghostbusters podcast, it'll be very yeah, similar to that. No, I know. Yeah, but there's probably people listening to this who may not have heard the Bill and Ted episode. You know, so yes, right. It's worth bringing up all those points. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So we're gonna talk about the Ghostbusters of the '90s. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why I it even has a cartoon. I, I always consider that. Yeah, even the cartoon. It even yeah. had a very successful cartoon. That was. Yep. Yeah, that I was, love the cartoon. Like in the in the like spirit of the real Ghostbusters cartoon as well. Right. You know, no, it feels totally. like they're like partners. For you know? anyone listening, if you're a fan of the movie, find the cartoon. The I don't know if it's so available, good. but. I love it. Yeah. The Highest Men in Black cartoon or the Ghostbusters? The Men in Black no, no. cartoon. I, I don't think I ever saw it. No, yeah, Jamie, it's really, it's, it's super just, solid, it's, dude. If you like I, the, I the real Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters one, cartoon, yeah. Yeah, you'll love the Men in Black cartoon. Yeah. Yes. 
It's it's funny because this is the kind of movie I've talked about it before that I always wanted to write. It's kind of Men in Black, Ghostbusters, Galaxy Quest. They're the ones that always you know that's the dream. Me. Yeah, yeah I was going to say we're, this is a Jamie Nash sweet spot episode this is, here. This is, yeah. not, honestly, I kind of after nobody would pay attention to those scripts, probably, <laughs> they, they probably ended up. We're that, laughing. That's probably that's probably where the Nickelodeon stuff comes from. Really, it's kind of. Uh, shoot off of there for kids you know it's kind of very so similar you get your to nickelodeon stretch, you get my to, nickelodeon you get to stretch those muscles absolutely for a for a younger audience absolutely it, it was always a surprise when nickelodeon said yeah you're really good at nickelodeon stuff because i had never watched nickelodeon stuff <laughs> yeah but it kind of makes sense because it's just a little stretch from the men in black and stuff the stuff i do for nickelodeon gotcha uh they're usually it's some. The, it's really not far of a jump. It isn't. It yeah, is from from Men in Black to Nickelodeon. Look, yeah. Savage Steve Holland is the other guy who he, he directed Santa Hunters, but he does a lot of Nickelodeon stuff, and you yeah. can see kind of what his stuff is to Nickelodeon. Yeah, no, right, that's right. true. Yeah, that's right. true. Not to make this podcast about me. Yeah, there was a, there was it a, always was it's, Jamie. <laughs> well, the re- that Jamie Nash the, magic. Yeah, right, right. The, yeah. the reason though, I I mentioned it is like I always I always felt that Ghostbusters was interesting because. It, it was more. It was less stylized, obviously, than mm-hmm. Men in Black or Galaxy Quest. It actually took place in a gritty New York City that felt yeah. kind of real. And even though this one also takes place in New York City, yeah. it's this so is a great stylized. New York movie, though. Yeah, it's a great. New York it's a great movie. New York movie. Yeah, it's just this kind of painted New York where Ghostbusters feels a little bit more like rugged New York or yeah. something. Also, like, Sonnenfeld is a much different director than different like director, Ivan Reitman. So. style, yeah, yeah. but. Even the people like this movie, there's no normal people in it. Like they're all cartoons. Even yeah. doc- that's why the cartoon works so well. Yeah, even the doctor. <laughs> yeah. But in Ghostbusters, you have a not to make this about Ghostbusters, but Sigourney is normal. She's you know? very and, grounded. And, She's, and many yeah. of the characters are normal. And then there's the kind of wild characters within the normal. You know, so yeah, yeah. I'd say the, the, the normal here would have to be Will Smith. At most, probably yeah, yeah, he's, right. the, he's, he's the audience the, surrogate. Will, yeah, that's yeah. the straight man in this movie yeah, is he's one the, of the funniest people. Yeah, he's, in the story right, world. Yeah, in the world, right? Yeah, <laughs> he's rolling his eyes at all the goofiness. And right. I, I always say that is a thing with comedy. Usually, you can't just have everybody be goofy, or it, it's usually one or the other. They they rub against each other. So it's right. like serious man in a crazy world. Or it's crazy man in a serious world, mm-hmm. and I think Ghostbusters is a little bit more uh, crazy people in a, a serious, serious world, world. Yeah. and this one's the opposite. And I think yeah. so. I think your point is, is even though he's a, he's not a totally serious not totally man, serious. yeah, no, not at all. But yeah. he's a grounded man. He's grounded, right? He's, yeah. he's a police officer and, that catches normal everyday criminals, and the jo- not criminals who are aliens. And the joke of his partner is that he's so grounded, he's not normal. That's <laughs> yes, right. right. Exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's well, cartoonishly right. grounded. <laughs> cartoonishly yeah. grounded. Yeah, that's right. in the lady. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what's the log line? Let's talk about that. Yeah. And I, I just did something really quick for this. I don't know why I was interested in the log line for this one, except to say it kind of, it's it's sort of perfect in some ways because it's an origin story, but it's also an origin story that has a very specific plot and obstacle yeah. and stuff. So this is just something I whipped up crazy quick. Um, After being recruited to an agency that secretly polices alien activity, a cocky cop, I don't know if I like cocky cop, that could be the title of my new screenplay, (laughs) cocky cop, cocky cop, cobra, Um, (laughs) and and his by-the-book new partner must race to uh, stop a dangerous invader from destroying the world or something something along those lines. So it has an origin. It the the log line here would have to encompass both of them because I believe yeah. they're equal protagonists in yeah. this movie. Um, even though Will Smith's kind of our view into the world, we I actually learn more cool. about Tommy Lee. Even in that little glimpse, we learn more about Tommy Lee Jones's before world character than we do about yeah. Will and Smith. he's he's introduced first, which is yeah. kind of telling. Tell- it's almost very in telling. every scene after Will is introduced. No, I mean in his uh, everything we know about Will Smith is actually in your log line before he is recruited. Yeah, that's right. you know what I mean. Like that. Yeah. There's not much to him before yeah. that. That's that's a and it's true. so. I think it's it, instructive that it works. It without works so being, well. Yes. Yeah. It kind of informs his decision to choose to to abandon life mm-hmm. that we see no life other than yes. what we're shown his life is chasing down criminals so, you know right. and and that the only reason i really wanted to do a log line for this one that i just did super quick was because it has a hero but in this case there's two heroes yeah uh so they're both mentioned in the log line um 
Then there's uh, a goal, which is to stop the dangerous invader. The obstacle is dangerous invaders. He's going to destroy the world, essentially. Stakes. Stakes. Yeah. So it's all there. It's all very easy to figure it's out. Very, I mean, it's a clean It's a clean setup. The only thing I did different, I think your, yours is you could, super great. The only thing I changed was um, at the end, I made the goal specific. Okay. Yeah. So I, uh, I was just too lazy to prevent do it. <laughs> a giant, because I always go to the. Um, because we've talked about this before, so many people start writing their script without a solid log line, and then when they try to, that leads to problems because these hero antagonist goal stakes are not clearly defined, and then they try to retroactively make like a one sheet for this, and they can't right because right. log lines work before not after you can't like reverse engineer a log line right? that's right yeah that's right and so like i always try to point to what is the filmable goal and that belongs in the log line and that'll make sure that you have us rooting for an achievement of that by story's end if you start with a log line that includes the filmable goal so in this movie the filmable goal is preventing the giant alien bug from leaving the planet with an object right. he plans to use to destroy this world and other worlds. the MacGuffin. the MacGuffin. Right? And- and all so that's the, the only thing I changed. No, that's great. That. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it even works for a marketing reason because, like, you know, my super ambiguous stop a dangerous invader. That's actually a problem a lot of people have with marketing log lines. Is that could be the coolest part of the movie? Yeah, and and you could just be kind of glossing over it by saying, you know, yeah, invader, this whatever. thing, yeah, destroy the world. So the more specific you can get about any part of the story, yeah. whether it's the heroes, the guy. Without making it too wordy. Ridiculously wordy. Yeah, yeah I, I think so, there's... No, that's yeah. a definite improvement. So, sure. uh, yeah. So it's... Now that we're... We've got the log line, log right? Log line out of the way. Yeah. So it's... What's the, I, what does this movie do best? Our work is done here. Oh, no. yeah. yeah. No. Well, it's this, a perfect movie. We don't need to really talk about it. This movie is an entire... It's funny. I've been like holding back. I'm trying to hold back on using as many Save the Cat terms because I feel like we, we lean on them so heavily, but it's such an easy resource because I've been seeing a lot more anti-Save the Cat rhetoric as like you know more people connect with since with the us. new president <laughs> right now <I'm>, right. <laughs> more people connect with the show and stuff it's like uh we're we're conne- i'm connecting with more people who talk about screenwriting on a regular basis right right like, right fuck save the cat but you know one of my favorite things about that as a teaching tool is the fun and game section right and we read scripts all the time. I'm sure you read scripts in your class like this where mm-hmm. the fun and games is presented as a one page event and that's it, right? Right, right. Yeah, but yeah. like this movie, what it does so well is it's an entire movie filled with fun and games, right? I mean, yes. from start to finish. Yes. Even beyond act one and act two, like the whole thing is fun and games, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. that's premise delivery. And a reminder that fun and games is really what makes these movies great. Right. Like, the cheeseburgers. <laughs> the cheeseburgers is the part of the cheeseburger that tastes the best and why we actually watch these movies. Right. I feel like that's kind of like the theme of our show almost, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. We we Find talk, the fun we and talk games. about the fun and games and, and Yeah. And I, I think this movie also has like that superhero structure where he becomes a cop. So you want to give us a taste of what life would be like for being a I'm calling him a cop, but a man in black. Um you want that Mib. you know, what's the job look like? What's the yeah. job and, and they yeah. give us that like a superhero story would, like what does it feel like to be Spider Man? And you want to kind of be almost episodic and montagey with it. You want to give us a couple glimpses of it. You yeah. don't just want to jump right into let's fight the bug. It you takes know? its time. It takes its time. But it makes every moment of that fun. Much, much like Ghostbusters does, um, and much like like Superman the movie uh would do. You yeah. know, it, yeah. it gives you some time to say, look, here's what it's like to be Superman every day while also threading in this whole threat in the background, which right. I, I think I saved for later, but I called you yeah. know the pinch points and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. It it while they do that, it's almost like every other scene is the bug. You're ba- you're back to the villain's plan. The villain's which is plan is very so, easy to understand. So, plan. so the audience knows th- there's a promise that the two are going to collide. Yep. and it's threaded also into the episodic. Yeah. elements as well there's yeah. little hints of it all over the place <laughs> yeah. yeah of course it does what bill what what's interesting is bill and ted doesn't have an overarching villain um it has like very minor villains and this one like does all the same things that bill and ted does from a premise delivery standpoint plus it gives us an awesome villain right, right. right. and yeah. like th- that in itself 
I'm gonna backtrack with a ticking in a clock second. mechanism. Yeah, that is, is a ticking clock. Yeah, that's to save the cat, right? Yes, that's to save the cat. Um, <laughs> uh, like, who's the villain of the story? I mean, premise delivery: a giant alien cockroach invades New York City. Yeah. I mean, that's mm-hmm. like in the construction. Yeah, right, I mean? like, right. Yeah. What is the perfect villain for this movie in that takes place in New York City with two men and black agents? A giant cockroach. Cockroach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's either a rat or a cockroach. Right. Pick yeah. One. It's pre- like right. that. On, that works perfectly for this specific premise. Um, so I had a client. I wanted to talk about premise delivery, um, like that doesn't work and okay. why it doesn't work. I had a client. Um, I'm currently working on notes for this script right now, and I sent her a message, and I said, I'm recording a podcast. I won't use <laughs> the exact premise, but can you please give me permission? And she said yes, so her, thank you. Her name may or may not be Diablo Cody. Diablo Cody, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, 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 Big time I, Jimmy. What I see a lot, all the time, it's like maybe the primary problem with the scripts I get that don't work is – they have a fantastic premise, right? Mm-hmm. You hear the idea, shit sells, shit writes itself, right, and sells itself. You can see the poster, you can see the trailer moments, right, and then you get the script, and they may even have a super well constructed setup, and then that's it. You don't see the trailer moments, you don't see anything that would belong on a poster. All the things inherent to this awesome premise, right, were not shown. We're shown some other movie. Because either the writer hasn't taken the time to do the list building that we can that we can go down this list and the list building they do uh, to create those poster moments and these perfect elements that uh, like maximize on the promise of the premise, or the writer doesn't trust it. Right? They have this awesome idea, and they don't trust. And the they premise, just right? don't have faith in the idea, so they abandon the idea at some point in the story. Um, so I'm currently reading this script, and it is a buddy comedy mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. takes place it's not like in the army now at all but it takes place in a wartime setting and it's buddy comedy right it's an awesome premise that i don't want to spoil but that's enough the setup is how these buddies um get into the wartime setting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then once we're placed into the wartime setting they're separated and there's for the next whole rest of the movie the buddies are only on screen together in this supposed buddy combat comedy for 13 pages of Hmm. the whole script. So this script had this awesome setup that gets these buddies (laughs) in these combat situation. And since we don't actually ever see them together, it is unable to deliver on the promise of that premise. So So it has no heart. Well, no, it's just, it, 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 understands the idea that it has but it doesn't understand yeah. how to deliver on that right? why that idea is good why that yeah okay and they there just are got a great idea it. those no so 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 what it is is those 13 pages are awesome right those 13 pages where they're together are fantastic right and you're like the problem is like the whole script needs to be those mm-hmm. 13 pages right and um this movie i mean like look at the premise delivery like Extraordinary celebrities are actual aliens. Um, a cop mm-hmm. foot chase ends with an alien climbing a building from ground to ceiling right. immediately. The Guggenheim. Right. Um, like a, any any New York City cop chase we'd seen, mm-hmm. we've right. never seen one end like this, right? Right, right. A UFO crash lands on a farm, and then the alien takes over the farmer's body. I mean, that's premise delivery. A pawn shop jeweler in New York City is actually an alien's arms dealer. Um, a giant alien bug uh, shows down with a pest control exterminator, then steals his truck, and that becomes the giant alien bug's like villain. Villain, movie, right, right, right. I mean, this is premises. It's the, is uh, whiteboard. the whiteboard. The whiteboard. The whiteboard. Yeah, right? you filled out the whiteboard list. Right. So you get your whiteboard and you say, "We got a movie about two men in black agents in New York City." Mm-hmm. What does that look like, mm-hmm. right? And right. This, that you can well, tell also, they made the list. Separately right? to your point too, like you said how about them separating. This the entire movie is about them being together right. and not meshing well. Imagine yeah. this movie until we realize they if do Tommy actually Jones and Will Smith weren't together. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right? Yeah. The movie sold on the two of and them. And I read scripts a lot that do that very thing. <laughs> yeah. It, the premise also it it's almost threefold in this case too. You have the alien stuff, the comedy alien stuff in New York. 
And then you have Dragnet. You have Dragnet. Dragnet. It's you have, Dragnet. It's yeah. Dragnet. Yeah. yeah. You have you have basically the what's it like to be a men in black, the weapons, the research, the the, the underground the crew, world. The underground world. Yeah. And then I think New York is also thrown into the mix. Yeah. Ed, to, you know, to why is New York weird? New York, a New York, let's explain weird. on the whiteboard why New York is right. so weird. That's making right. the extraordinary, this, yeah. ordinary. I mean, and making the ordinary extraordinary over and right. over and over again. So, right. so then it's not only about writing lists for each of those things, but then they cross over and you can add and do all that, that kind of fun yeah. stuff too. Yeah. Um, by the way, I, I remember another thing. Barry Sonnenfeld Originally, the script was so maybe Ed Solomon was on it before. Originally, the script took place all over the U.S. Yes, Barry yeah. Sonnenfeld's oh. idea to put it in New York. Oh, it's perfect it in, New in New York. There's that also I don't know the exact choice. story, but I know that the ending was rewritten and re rejiggered last minute. Oh, wow. I know that. I didn't know. I, so it was originally so a, a clean, different ending. It's a clean. You clean would never ending. know, yeah. but apparently, but I remember because. Men in Black Three was being filmed without the ending being finished oh. written, and so, and there is a guy who attacked in an interview attacked Sonnenfeld about it, and he's like, "Dude, we didn't have an ending for the first one, and it worked. Yeah. <laughs> we, we we wrote it on the fly, and we got there. You know, wow. So I remember yeah. that specific. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. But, but um, yeah. This this premise delivery, and even the dialogue, like like, you know. You want to come up with dialogue that only works to your specific premise, right? And right. there's like a ton of that here. Like Jay says to Kay, you know Elvis is dead, right? And he says, Elvis is not dead. He just, just went, went home, home, right? That works in this movie, <laughs> right? Right. And uh, Jay says, like, a galactic standard week? How long? How the hell long is that? And Kay seconds. says, one hour. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. I mean, these are the types of things. That was in the list building, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what are some things we could have them say that could only be said in this movie? You know, it's just shit writes itself. It's it's really impressive. I, would, I don't know this, but I would love to know if they were written with these actors in mind because it's it's one of those either lightning in a bottle where yeah. the two of them just were perfect yeah or they it's it's i could easily believe that they were both written yeah. for i heard the alternative casting for this and that doesn't mean that the script wasn't oh, rewritten. was it i can't remember it was it was really interesting <laughs> too. bring Jamie. it up and don't remember <laughs> it yeah, yeah I, I think i'm gonna have to look it up he shared that nugget um well it was tommy lee jones and then someone else wasn't it uh, I I have to look it up. Well, I have to look it up. I'll look it up as we talk. <laughs> okay. Um. But well, yeah. well, let's get the character arc because we kind of touched on it first yeah, with uh, uh with Jay, uh how he how he's kind of a a no name man before he's he's just a cop. He's your yeah. He's a yeah. good cop. He's a little bit hard bitten. We don't know anything about his home or family. Yeah. And that kind of works for his decision. Right. Right. Yeah. But w one of the things I like best about this movie is that we have the whole recruitment sequence which yeah. again is premise delivery right yeah and in that premise delivery everything like they're testing him for his own personality right which tells the audience who he is who he is he's right. the guy that would pull a table over yeah <laughs> he's the guy that would shoot the girl holding quantum physics books yeah. yep the, yeah the, the one thing and that, that reveals character that yeah, reveals so. character so well, so well about who jay is yeah, right the one awesome. the yeah, one thing is. related to um to the arcs as well as it's this is like in the save the cat terminology this is like one of those buddy love kind of movies yeah and buddy love movies typically have two equally weighted characters mm -hmm. that both have kind of character arcs or some some version usually it's kind of they're both half of a person split down the middle and Together they'd be a whole person or something like that. So they're they're struggling over some the same issue in some ways. When I rewatched this movie, th this is the one thing I wanted to say. It doesn't have like most most buddy love movies would have this thing at the center um, that would be a big conflict, right? And while they have tension between them, there really isn't a conflict. It's, it's more a, it's just tonal. Yeah. It's not it's more yeah. of a mentor teacher relationship. Yeah. I would almost say father son. Father honest, son. But yeah. Uh it's it's not quite, but it's you know, it could be um Qui-Gon and Obi. <laughs> no, it could be uh <laughs> Miyagi and Karate Kid, but training day or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Actually Miyagi and Karate Kid's not too That's, bad. That was the first one I thought of when I was when I was sitting. It, yeah. it feels like it it could be that. There's not as much like wisdom imparted i don't think as much as it's just here's the job you're good at it you know it's yeah um and i don't know that will smith's character has a lot 
Like he doesn't have a big problem at the beginning. That's what he needs he, to we solve. don't know much. He, I think yeah. He, he doesn't arc this huge amount. I think he matures yeah. in some ways. He's he almost takes on the responsibility. Can I compare That's it? what I think it is. I think I think it's a responsibility arc and I think it's it's oddly um this is more thematic, but um it's knowing it's about knowledge, mm-hmm. right? And it's about um like there's uh, there's tons of thematic stuff that Kay says to Jay about um, this is kind of getting into the moral premise and the yeah, moral premise. There's a great article on this from the moral premise, right. and that's where I got some of this stuff from. But I disagree with some of the stuff, so I've changed a little bit of it. But um, it's basically like the the moral premise guy. What is that guy's name? Stanley Williams. Stanley Williams says that the theme of this movie is too much knowledge leads to fear while just enough knowledge allows for a level of happiness right mm-hmm. and and that's and the moral premise of men of, in black of men in black okay. and then and and will smith is a man who's like the rest of us he who's has no dark. knowledge he's completely in the dark therefore he's allowed to have like free will and live his life however he wants and this movie suggests that like once he learns what he learns he can't do that he can't yeah. ever go back to being a guy who just lives the life he wants he has like a responsibility to take action and keep these people safe now that he knows what he knows. Like the omniscient, you know, aspect of that changes him as a character. Right, right, and then right. Tommy Lee Jones goes from a guy who in the beginning knows everything to in the end, his ignorance is bliss, right? He gets yeah. to live out his life with the one he loves. So so for me, I think it's like a taking responsibility arc. And then um, uh, Tommy Lee Jones kind of does the Captain America thing where he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm resting. I'm, I'm done. I'm retiring That's from so this good. responsibility. Yeah. It's Captain America. It's very, it's you very know, I, much like yeah, Captain America. I, I love what you just said, and I agree with it. And I would have said something different. I would have said it was about one man finding his family and another one getting it back. Oh, that's mm-hmm. good too, though. That's, that works that's too. Kind of how I always viewed it. Yeah, yeah. Because Jay, Jay doesn't have a family. Yeah, men yeah. in black become such. Becomes his family. And then Tommy yeah. Lee Jones is a man who left his family behind. Yeah. Because he right. had one before. He had one, and he gets yeah, it back at the end. He was right, enlisted yeah. in this. Right, yeah. 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 But um, there's some great lines that express the theme. Kay says, there's always an Archelian battlecruiser, a blah, 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 blah. And the only way these people get on with their happy lives is that they don't know about it. And, like, in the end, that's what he's building, too. You know? Yeah. Um, and Kay says, I just, at the very end, he says, I just went down the gullet of a megastellar cockroach. Uh, that's one of a hundred memories I don't want. You know, so he wants to and not have the burden of the responsibility, right? You're right. Yeah. I was going to say, since we're here and I don't really see another place to talk about it, I wanted to talk about, we've talked about comedy uh, movies before yeah, and everything, and this movie is a really great example of, it's not just about the jokes, it's a movie about actual story, and while most scenes have a central joke about them, I think it's, I think it's great that there is that scene that you're talking about yeah. right now. That has no jokes in it. It is actually, you know what I'm saying? It's There's the multiple lip, ones like that heart. The, yeah, the but the scene I'm, on the bench. Yeah. yeah. Well, the scene on the bench is what I was speaking of. Like, if uh, if it's a movie that's just about the premise and why it's funny, it's not going to work. Hence, Men in Black Two, and that's <laughs> Sonnenfeld even said that about Men in Black Two. He's like, that was my mistake. Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. I didn't make a movie. I made a comedy. Yeah. Men in Black is still a great movie. Yeah. With comedy own. in it. And the reason is scenes like that yeah. are in it. Yeah. <laughs> the heart is there. The heart. The heart is there. Yeah. And that's also just a great line about, you know, you know, pe- a person is smart. People are dumb. It's just like yeah, a genius the, Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. I just wanted to point that <laughs> a out. A person is smart. People are dumb. Because yeah. I know, like, I don't know if people generally think of Men in Black as a straight up comedy, but I think it's important to talk about It's that. definitely it's not just screwball. It's, got it's a, not screwball. It's, got, yeah. mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. not screwball. But, like, the obviously they got away, you know, the next one was like, What's funny? What's funny? What's funny? They stop worrying about the heart. Right. And it'll be interesting to see where they take the fourth one and what it follows and what it breaks, what molds it breaks from this this model. Yeah. You know, because the other ones are just this regurgitated as that honest trailers shows. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I still argue the third one got it right. But anyway. I love the third one. I love the third one, too. Anyway, uh, let's talk about um, the protagonist. Yeah, I mean, we kind of just did. I guess we did, really, yeah, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, we talked about him. Then let's get into Act 2. Yeah, pinch, Jamie, pinch points, pinch Jamie? Points. Jamie, you want to talk about yeah, pinch points? Yeah, and I, I did kind of mention those a second ago, but I'll, I'll define them, at least. Yeah. A pinch point is something out of Sid Field that isn't in Save the Cat, actually. But uh, he describes as one of the pinch points, the first one, which is in Act 2, is usually a moment 
that shows the threat to come. And it's usually like the midpoint of the funny games almost. Right, okay. right. So I always like to kind of have that in the back of my mind that if you have a funny games that might be episodic or not full of tension or something, to have that hint of the big monster coming. And what I what I was saying again with Men in Black is they actually almost do an alternating. They do more than just mm-hmm. a pitch point. It keeps coming at, at you. They keep dealing... Uh, villain cards yeah at you. uh so we're constantly allowed to track his progress yeah yeah yeah, seeing, yeah yeah more more so than like i'm trying to just by comparison like uh ghostbusters yeah i'm not exactly sure what the that section is probably the twinkie speech or something yeah like right, that. right i know yeah. it's probably like you know something bad's about to happen yeah. you know that's probably the midpoint of the funny games of uh ghostbusters and you're yeah. saying that the one in Men in Black is the, the one in Men in Black. They do several. It's just all the bug scenes. You know, all the yeah. bugs. Okay, the bugs. Closing, oh, you're saying that. Okay. He's, yeah. he's closing in. He's closing on in. He's getting the, stronger. The Ryan's belt. Yes, but it's a key not to forget that in your funny game. So if you're the funny, might be the pierogi scene. What's that? Yeah. That might be the biggest scene. pinch point. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's great. That's one of my favorite premise delivery moments too. Uh, two aliens. Um, sitting at a diner, bitching about how much they hate humans and how much they hate Earth, but they love shitty diner food. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <That's> awesome. <laughs> like that—that that works in this movie, you know. Also, it's the gen—it's great because the general premise delivery of the fact that no one notices half the shit happening because they're so, right? Like, they're so <laughs> they're so New York numb. Is so New York yes, is numb to it, to it. right? Yes. Yeah. But by the way, I, I finally found the. The casting. Okay, let's okay. See. But okay. Th- this never really went anywhere. But originally being considered was Clint Eastwood and, for the Tommy and Lee Chris Jones. O'Donnell. They were going to be Chris the two. O'Donnell. Well, Eastwood might you have could, worked. You could see it. You could, could see, it. see yeah. it. No one could be as perfect as these two. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Clint Eastwood <laughs> might have worked. Chris O'Donnell would not have worked. But yeah, mm. yeah. That's well, not. Yeah, that's not great. He had his moments back. He then. did. He was. He in, did. Good they were putting Robin. in stuff. Scent of a woman. So, um, so we got through. We talked about escalation. Um, did we talk? Did it, were we going to talk about escalation before or after the all the all is lost? We'll talk about all is lost, Jamie. Yeah, sure. I, and what I was thinking in this one that that is unique. It's not unique necessarily, but I think it's a good example of all is lost because I see this happen with students all the time too. Is a lot of times people debate what to do with the all is lost to have it be the personal all is lost or have it be the macro plot all is lost lost, right and what i love about this one is it does both at the same time and i always that's always my answer if you can put those two together at the same spot or immediately back to back that's the key so in this one you have the doctor being taken which is an all the law it's you know it gets personal here's somebody they know that's personally in danger but then also, of course, the the entire galaxy or whatever is in yeah. jeopardy. Um, so both of those occur at the same moment. Um, anyway, it, it's just something I see all the time because I see people like beat the projects out and they they find an all is lost. But sometimes it's the personal one, but the macro one doesn't come to later, right. and they, they they don't know what to do. So, so if this you can, is a perfect one. It blends. Yeah, both it together. blends both. So yeah. when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's that, awesome. they got it. They got it right. Yeah, because um, yeah, they guess the relationship is established between her and Jay. Definitely, yeah. 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 And he's concerned yeah. because Tommy Lee Jones keeps flashing her over and over again. And she has a history with the man black. She has a history, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another genius whiteboard moment yeah. that the coroner has to be the one to take the brunt oh, of it. the memories wipes. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's just, it's just great stuff. And then and then there's um the other classic break. It has a classic break into three. Like People get confused. They ask about break into threes all the yeah, time. Can you explain a break into yeah, three? Sure. And so break into three, usually there is an all is lost moment. So mm-hmm. Obi-Wan Kenobi's dead. Uh, in this case, the the bug goes away with the galaxy and, you know, and he's got uh, the doctor the uh, on his shoulder, you know, so that's the all is For lost. Snack, right. And it For seems snack. it seems like that's it. Game over. Right. But then a new piece of information usually has to show up to spin us into act three. There has to be some new, new thing, new new discovery new connection it's and a pay up and a set off in this case it, well, yeah a, a lot of times it's this classic payoff that's usually what it is it's that thing where you look and it, i can't tell you there's probably a million times where it is something like a painting or a picture and you go <laughs> aha and there's like a match cut that goes from the yeah, one to the yeah. Next. right right yeah yeah so this one was almost 
it was cool, but almost cliche in a way enough yeah, that yeah. I wanted to point it out because it was almost like the classic, like the it almost could be the epitome of one of these moments where he looks. It at was that also wall. twenty years ago. It so, was, but, you know what I mean. They yeah. still do it. They yeah, still they do still it. do yeah. it. Yeah, it's, they, they still do this. And everything I ever watch, and I groan when I see it, is the, the things still do the hide the tape recorder in the pockets. <laughs> Especially, I've done phones. it in my own movie. <laughs> Especially with phones now, they always do it. It's all that. Um, yeah. yeah, but. Uh, anyway, so in this one, of course, they look at the the wall. I guess it's like the World's Fair kind of thing. It's a painting of the World's painting Fair. Painting of the World's yeah. Fair. And he says, what, do those still work or something? Yeah. Do those then, still work? You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then mm-hmm. they cut to it. So And earlier in the movie, the they'd through. note that the that World's they, Fair, World's Fair was that those are yeah. really alien ships. Yeah, it's That's a great right. setup yeah. earlier. Yeah. yeah. And then they make a decision in action. That's like and, the, and another that's important important part of it. The, right from there, we can jump to the five point finale. Yeah. Not that we're going to break that down. <laughs> no, but, but that <laughs> is yeah. It hops right in. Then they start. The they hit the red button. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, mm-hmm. and it just yeah. They they gear up. They have the preparing to storm the castle. Yeah, it's it's all there. Does the um, doctor have a name in the movie? Yeah, Lauren. Lauren. Okay. Because yeah. I I was looking at the script and her name is Doctor Hot Lady. Yeah, in the script it's Doctor Hotley. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, had, in the movie that, it's, they, it's Laurel, they never, not Lauren. They did Laurel. they ever bring up Doctor Hot Lady in the in the movie? No, 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 no. no like, but in the script and she becomes is. L, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. that's what she yeah. was in the in, cartoon. I was like, yeah. I was yeah. like when I was reading yes. the script. Yeah. When I was reading the script for this, I was like, I don't remember Doctor Hotley. Yeah, <laughs> Doctor Hot Lady. Lady. I was like, I don't remember that. Yeah. No. Also, that's not cool. I'm glad it's not in there. I'm so glad. Says a little more. Okay. A little more Zucker Brothers. I or someone involved was like, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, I wanted to bring up uh, because we've. We've talked about so many horror movies, and we've never brought this up. The praise of the killer speech. Are you familiar with this? No, no, explain. No, no, explain. Okay, so this is something I learned in a Robert McKee, another regurgitation of a lesson, but um, something I, I took the Robert McKee uh, thriller seminar mm-hmm. um, like 25 years ago, <laughs> <laughs> um, which uh, we broke down specifically seven, mm-hmm. and there's a great one in seven. Um, the praise of the killer speech is essentially you have somebody who's really strong in your movie, a very strong and powerful character, talk about how strong and powerful the antagonist is. Mm, mm-hmm. And that gives us this extra sense of gravitas. I'm really big on uh, not relying on hearsay evidence of people talking about somebody doing something and showing, but in this case, it works very well. And I'll give you the example from this movie and then from other movies. So Jay says, uh, it's the Jay bug speech. He says, mm-hmm. bugs thrive on carnage, tiger. They consume, infest, destroy, live off the death and destruction of other species. Imagine a giant cockroach with unlimited strength, a massive inferiority complex, and a real short temper is tearing up Manhattan in a brand new Edgar suit. Does that sound like fun to you? Like that we hearing Jay say that (laughs) hearing Tommy Lee Jones is Jay who's not impressed by anything in the movie and that's like that's his comic that's one of his uh, comic obsessions his lack of being impressed Mm -hmm. by anything Um, it's very impactful right so we have this sense of extra it makes us go take pause right yeah. and and fear the villain so there's some great ones in cinematic history the loomis about michael myers mm-hmm. where he first he's yeah. like i studied him for 15 years i met this six-year-old child with this blank pale emotionless face and the blackest eyes the devil's eyes blah blah, blah. i realized what he was what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil you're gonna say jaws aren't you no and there's a, there's a great one in jaws i was but gonna the, say but the, the jaws speech right the, yeah. the jaws speech the yeah. the raptor speech from dr mm-hmm. grant where yep. it's like there you were alive when they begin to eat you with the claw so mm-hmm. we fear we fear the raptor before we ever see the raptor mm-hmm. um kyle reese about the terminator is like my favorite mm-hmm. one where he mm-hmm. says listen and understand the terminator is out there it can't be bargained with it can't be reasoned with it doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear and it will absolutely not stop ever until you are dead right and that's like the strongest character in the movie is saying that right, in right. fear of the antagonist so um jay that praise this killer speech is like perfect it couldn't be more perfect so especially for the audience for us yeah right if yeah. tommy lee jones says it 
Yeah, exactly. You <laughs> right. You listen, believe it. You, you listen. believe it. And that's yeah. important. Choosing the right character to say it. Because right. if you just have like some sheepish character who's scared of everything saying yeah. that, you're like, I mean, you're scared of everything. So I thought I, I thought it was finally we could talk about this. I've been wanting to. Bring oh, that's I never episodes. heard of that yeah. term before. That's it's awesome. very effective. And sometimes yeah. I've even in the past um, when we've written like uh, like slasher movies and stuff, I'll I'll write the praise of the killer speech first and kind of mm. try to build a villain around mm. that praise mm. of the skill. It's almost like you could riff on a praise of the killer speech mm-hmm. and then yeah. like create a villain around it. It's just, it's a fun exercise. Yeah, it's great. This movie kind of does that actually. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it proves to us that he was right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the whole yeah. movie, yeah, it's whole spends time proving, proving Jay's proving that fears and warnings. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For so, for some reason, it reminds me of one of my favorite moments that I rip off all the time. It's not a praise the killer speech, but it's, um, in the third Indiana Jones movie, uh, Last Crusade, when he gives that speech oh. about yeah, well Martin yeah yeah, and then it cuts yeah. and then it cuts he's got the grail already and he's like, does anyone know what it's I'm like, saying? It's like my favorite cinematic moment of all time. I think that, uh, that's a great and yeah. it's that's a great play on it. Yep, it exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's kind of this shows how smart it is actually. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. really smart. Yeah. Uh, you guys want to talk about comic comic obsessions? I want to talk about escalation and then comic. let's talk about escalation. Okay. escalation. Yes, so we have we, it's another thing we haven't talked about, and I think this one has like the perfect example of escalation that like kind of encapsulates what to do with it. So I'll give you a bad example, and I use like a great movie I love. Okay. Okay. Um, Blade okay. is like the most classic example of poor escalation, and that is it gives you the best scene in the movie first. Mm. Right. And nothing that happens after that lives up or could possibly live up to, to that, that opening scene. scene right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know many people you would ask who like would think that that isn't the best scene in the whole movie. He has to kill like 30 people like he is like at his most peak uh, of complications that he has to overcome showing his powers. Right. It's right, just right. it's so awesome. And then the movie just deescalates from there. It escalates again, but it never gets back to that level. Mm hmm. And I see this a lot. Mm -hmm. I see this in a lot of scripts where um, that so that end scene. Okay, so so the example I want to give this movie escalates from start to finish. Everything gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And the premise delivery gets more and more intense and the tension gets bigger. It just keeps getting harder and harder for the characters. Um, But to to show you what I mean, the movie starts with an alien trying to sneak across the border in a truck and getting shot in an attempt to kill a border patrol agent. And the movie ends with an alien trying to fly off the planet and sneak through the border and be followed by an epic monster transformation, a fight, and eventually gets blown to smithereens while attempting to kill a border patrol agent, our men in black. You know, that's it's literally the what same the thing, same just thing. Ju- more bigger right. stakes and huger. Just like, yeah. yeah, it's the same scenario, but with escalated premise delivery. And that is escalation to a T, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and what I see is a script that will give me that border, that end scene with the spaceship on page 30. <clears throat> And then the next 40 pages, nothing as cool as it's, that will happen. It's really weird because it, it's almost, in, this is intuitive almost, it seems, right? Yeah. And I mean, it, it crosses over to other places besides. It seems a, that's like a cheeseburger thing you just yeah, do. A firework, right. yeah. firework display, a concert. You know, you don't yeah. start with your best song. No, no. You no. don't open up. Right. Like, Let's Th- start that's with a great song. parallel. Yeah. However, there is this weird thing that, there is a weird science to concerts. You start with the second best song. And then yeah. you save the best song for last, yeah. and then you groove up and you know and the hits, yeah. yeah, dude, that's a great parallel for Escalation, a, a greatest concert. hits album. As a juggler, I do not start with chainsaws on a unicycle. <laughs> you got to save it, <laughs> save the chainsaws on a unicycle. So this script, the the same script that I that I used as the premise delivery example, I asked her if I could use it for this Escalation note too. Okay, so back to the buddy. It's a buddy comedy in combat, right? Right, yeah. We have a great setup. It's awesome. Places us in combat. The first scene in combat, they go to this village mission, and it's funny, and it's action-packed. It's entertaining. Belongs on the poster. Belongs in the trailer. And then the next 10 pages are training montage. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So like, why are they training if they're so good at everything, right? So you you go from the, the action and the tension and the premise delivery is ratcheting up and we're building and then we just de-escalate to them mm. training 
and we're seeing things that are less entertaining that don't deliver on the promise of the premise. And it's still funny and it's still worthy in the story, but it comes at the wrong time, mm -hmm. you know? And I see this all the time. This is like, this is another thing I see so common where like, it's like the big moments are placed in the wrong order. So we have this, the, the, we don't have this rising and falling feeling. We just have this huge, big rise and fall and then nothing. And then we're just flat. And then 30, 40 pages later, we get something that's almost as big as that thing we saw on page 30, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So wow. it's just, it's, it's, it's such a common problem, dude. And that pet, that, that concert example, I'm going to use that. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm trying to think like, not, not to sound like a tr uh, Twitter troll or anything, <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know, I was trying to think of why like a movie like, um, and you could say that it's an anomaly and just don't use it as well, but like Saving Private Ryan is a good example. You, when we were saying the military, I was like, oh, I know a mil military movie that starts out with the greatest 15 minutes of cinema I've ever seen. Yeah. But honestly, I'm not sure that it, even though I love that movie, I'm not sure it does ever get back to the emotional point. You're right. That, that, I, I'm not sure that it- Well, you're that, right. While I love the movie, I'm not sure that- It, it works. Like, quote unquote despite works. the Despite it, of the lack of escalation. Because it's almost a prologue. And it, there, there is but, escalation from there on. Yeah. But uh, that's almost like the the whole movie is a response to those events. Yeah. Like that, that's sort of like its own, like you said, it's like a prologue right. more than that. I know people criticize like Raiders of the Lost Ark for a similar problem. The critics that have- Yeah. Like it never got above that first that's a good minutes. point um but i like I, hearing know. these i hear i like hearing these exceptions that are fucking amazing movies like the blade yeah you know? right but yeah. there is something to be said about like it's kind of a bummer that blade never gets back to that opening scene yeah. you know yeah. what i mean like yeah yeah it's almost like that's if you're gonna do it that way, it better be the opening scene. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. kind of what you I, put it. But I, I think, like I said, well, I, with, with like, we're, I mean, we're just kind of talk. We're, we are talking about kind of like, uh, you know, with Saving Private Ryan, it's enormously an emotional. Right. Uh, there's, not, there's nothing emotional in the beginning as Absolutely. much as the ending of Saving Absolutely. Private Ryan. I agree. Right. I mean, viscerally, it's just like. Nothing is equal to Saving Private Ryan. Right. Yeah, the no, in the no, beginning, like nothing but, yeah. ever. You but know? everybody's it's like, pretty nameless. Uh, you can't tell. You're who they watching are a whatever. scene of war, right. whereas at the end, it's big and only its emotion. It's not. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not all about we, that. The characters were invested yep. in all of their exactly. success, and in the beginning, we're less invested in. That's how you make journeys. That, that can work like that. You can yeah. have your. That's how, the only yeah, way, really. Yeah, it yeah. should work like yeah. that. Yeah. With Blade, it kind of doesn't work as much. Yeah, but. I still love the movie. Blade's not saving Private Ryan, <laughs> yeah. so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I just right. I, we've we've never talked about escalation. This movie is like a superb example of escalation. You know, from scene to scene, it just continues to escalate, and then it ends it, as, as the the exact same scenario as how it begins, mm -hmm. but bigger mm -hmm. and badder and more, bigger and, stakes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, it's just something, yeah. and it means more. It means more to Jay, right? And K that they win. Yeah. Not not remembering Blade well enough, but does maybe that is the thing that Blade might do is the stakes are the bigger. Personal in the end. stakes are probably yeah. bigger. Like whatever well, the stakes of the fight are bigger. Be Deacon yeah. Frost, he, yeah. He's gotta stop he's gotta save the world. Yeah, he's gotta save He's the gotta world. save the world versus right. take out a nightclub. The context is different. Context yeah. is what Completely. the escalation's about. Yeah, it's yeah. not the cinematic awesomeness, yeah, I guess. Yeah, we put it in so, the con yeah, yeah, of yeah. the moments. Yeah, no, right. Well, there no, you go. I think it. I think it's a but best practice. It, but we are making movies, and they're a visual medium. Yeah, yeah. So that's something to consider so, too. No, I think I think cinematic awesomeness is best. Yeah, programmed. Yeah, like you say. No, I'm agreeing. These are, these, I'm just saying. No, these are like exceptions. A these yeah. are exceptions to the rule, but yeah. we're just trying to noodle why they still work yeah. just fine. But yeah. I think if you have both, then that's I like usually discussing the exceptions because the exceptions are what people always bring up when I bring up a problem. You know, so you could argue it's fun to fight, Jurassic Park's out. best action scenes are not at the end. So right, right. I mean, yeah. you've got the you know car chase and yeah. the Raptors and everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's not at the end of the movie, but it's the emotional ending of the movie. That's a good bigger. call. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it. It's how you write it. Yeah. <laughs> That's really it. But I'm going to say that for the most part, the safe bet would be what Jamie's saying. What yeah. what Men in Black does. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be interesting just to write out like your 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 beginning stakes for and your other end stakes things and, yeah. and, and, and to yeah. see how other scenarios are mirrored in the movie too. Certainly like every Marvel movie does it that way yeah. or, yeah. you know, yeah. Star Wars or something <laughs> like that. But, right. 
Well, that's what a normal movie does. It's yeah. like, yeah, the ending. Yeah. It's pretty rare to find the ones. The only reason Saving Private Ryan even came to mind was because you were talking about the military. You know, yeah, like, no, in oh, military, yeah. and this one that uh, the example I was using is a. Comedy, if I was gonna so. say, if I was gonna point to where Escalation doesn't work as opposed to Men in Black, I would say like the Transformers movies, where if the entire movie is an explosion, <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There's yeah. no. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah and yeah. Not to th- and if you have no emotion either, <laughs> so it doesn't matter, right? Just, yeah, but I, I know this isn't the um, fireworks podcast, but um, I always thought fireworks would be a lot better if they just fired them all off at once. Like, who needs to watch one or two at a time? At a time, you yeah, just just blast them all off. Like, like give them like a two minute time limit. Just take the, the whole forty five minute thing and just start firing. <laughs> just the whole sky. <laughs> I mean, who has time for thirty minutes of fireworks? Just blast, them, blast them. It's, that's great. Uh, it's Jamie Nash with great fireworks info, but terrible writing info. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Do it all at the same time. If you, yeah. if you ever come to my fireworks, all the setup and the payoff all at all, once. All at once. <laughs> Do you want- the person starts with their problem and fixes their problem. I'm all at the oh, same time. All at once. At the same time. <laughs> Split screen. Do you um, want to talk about comic obsessions? Yeah, I do. Did yeah. you guys, uh, instead of me trying to hash it out, I want to see if you guys what are the thoughts. What are the two main characters' comic obsessions? <clears throat> I, I have a terrible time uh, figuring out the words. You know what I mean? The words to it. To like, put to, to what you're yeah. watching. It's kind of like a, th- a theme's hard to do that with. Too. Say a so theme is. You can feel it, but you can't. What's yeah, the words? What's yeah, the words? Yeah. Um, because Tommy Lee Jones, it's kind of his seriousness, yeah. his, um, uh, what's the word, he, emotionlessness? I don't know what I, the... I, Does he have a comic obsession? I think so. Did it's you that, do? What, do you, what is he's it? He's so focused on keeping their secrets above all things and getting the job done yeah. that he has no understanding of how serious he is and deadpan that he is yeah. you know he's serious to a fault and then, and he literally his story his arc is that he left his life to to the cause yes that's exactly. how serious that's this how man serious is, he is. Yeah. he's yeah. serious to a fault and to he has fault. no idea i would yeah. i would almost feel i almost feel like the, I don't know how to put this in words again, but it's like just a, it's a job, a very serious job to him. Yeah. He's, a, he's an awesome employee of the year. Yeah. Something. You know what I mean? For life. Like, how about just saying his obsession is no nonsense about the job? That's, yeah. yeah That's probably no nonsense. The, the nonsense. But I, it, yeah. it's just like he's completely unimpressed by anything. Right. right. And, but he like doesn't realize that like that's to a fault. Uh, like, <laughs> Now the weird thing, and I can't put and all the comedy around his characters, but and that, so so to reintroduce that, right. this in case you haven't heard us talk oh, yeah, about this right. before. So <laughs> this is something I'm once again regurgitating Robert McKee, but I I learned this in uh, in he did, he had a comedy day, and he suggests that in all comedies the characters have most of the time a blind comic obsession; they're completely blind to it, but other times they're aware of it, but they're still obsessed with it, and. All the humor in the story is based around that that obsession. And some characters, especially like sitcoms where you have like multiple seasons and stuff, they have like three or four obsessions and the story finds these three or four obsessions and plays all the comedy. Right, right. So with Tommy Lee Jones, like definitely all the comedy around his character is about his deadpan seriousness. You know what I mean? The weird thing is thinking about Will Smith in particular with us. Um there, there was a thing I had a manager used to do this almost this game they would play to come up with concepts and they would take an actor they really liked and they would figure out their essence. Okay. Like what's their essence? Right. Yeah. And it, it might be like Adam Sandler is a man child or I don't know. I'm saying that off the top of my head. I'm not sure that that's right, but they think a lot the of essence. his early movies. Yes. That yeah. would be the, yeah. Yeah. I think Will Smith's essence will overlap with his comedic obsession in this movie. Yeah. But I don't know what his essence or his comedic <laughs> obsession. I think cuz I think this is almost quintessential Will Smith in yeah, that Yeah, it's like he's, he's playing himself. Yeah, yeah, yes. where he's kind of that funny character. More so than like any other character we've seen cuz I don't Yeah, it's if Will Smith joined Men in Black. Men in Black. Yeah. Which is fine. That's like what I mean, Paul Rudd he, does. I mean, Paul Rudd he, is they, just Paul Rudd in every movie. It does not it's not written to give him any type of backstory so the audience at that point is like will smith is joining the man but we don't yeah, know anything right. about yeah. him that's 1997 right. audiences the like fresh prince is joining men in black in on mm-hmm. will smith yes. right the fresh yes. prince that he's a yes. cop and he's joining men in black there, yeah. that's so all what, we know what's funny about will smith as a character i said the rest that's a, 
the what he it's the he wants to he he's like creative to a fault right mm-hmm. so it's like he does these he's like obsessed with like like the he just constantly I wait I, got a bad, I, I would say even a better way i would say will smith uh he, he's charismatic but most of all he speaks for the common man mm. in a you know what I mean? And this, he he has to make sure that the common man's perspective is, is said out loud, like in these you know ridiculous what I mean? situations. He's the one who literally will say out loud what every what the audience is think, thinking, mm-hmm. and yeah. in a charismatic Listen, and funny way. This may be this may be normal to you, but this is crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, one of my favorite scenes that it's it's a weird scene, but I I always like pay attention when I see it. Is the one where they're they're making the woman forget, and he's like commenting on the damage, the like, riffs, yeah. And then, and then right. when he actually, right. then I also love the one where he gives um, where he gives her the better memories. And yeah, stuff. that's like, what you know, he that's wants to give them. Mem- Which is better. they carry through all three movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, they do. Yeah. They carry, that becomes part of Jay's character. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that's like comic obsession right there. You yeah. Know, like, let's give also, him a better memory than Weather Balloon and the. <laughs> also, comic obsession on Jay's part. He cares more about the well being of the people of the city. Yep. Hence, he, t- you know what I mean? Like, he, mm-hmm. he's like, you can't just keep wiping this girl's mind. Yeah. You're going to give her brain cancer. Yeah. This person, give her a better memory than this awful life she has. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he cares, whereas. K mm-hmm. doesn't have that necessarily warm <laughs> yeah. caring yeah. about not at all. Yeah, it's one <laughs> collateral damage to him isn't as much of a concern. Right. Yeah. yeah, let's just wipe them. One, yeah. it's all about the job, and the other one's looking at the bigger picture. Yeah, like we're here so. to save these people. We should care yeah. about them too. The, right. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. yeah. That, I guess. I guess that. I think that. That's. Yeah, we, we got those. It's hard to say straight up. There's not like you know. It's not like Zombieland. He loves Twinkies. It's yeah. not that simple. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not you know. The, these are a little bit more complex. My. The Edgar the Bug is sensitive about others killing bugs, and it's all the comedy oh, right. in every every time. And his race being superior, right? Oh, that's good too. He's, he's a superior he's race, and no one will tell him yeah, otherwise. That's probably kind of go together. But yeah, like all yes. the com- not killing the bugs comes into the comes from race. that. Yeah. yeah. So that. so superior bugs are superior. So every scene, the comedy with him is played around. Like his obsession with bugs being superior, they mm. play that in right. one angle after another. After another, the exterminators situation, the situation in the restaurant, the situation in the morgue where the guy's slot slotting the flies, and he's like, "Don't do that." Um, <laughs> so I think that one's a pretty easy one to track. L is uh, L has this weird curiosity about bodies and dead things. That's good. She's obsessed with the obscurities that she has found. Ooh, she loves the weird. She's into it. Yeah. Like she's, she's kind of into it, it and yeah. Jay picks up on that. But yeah. her, yeah. She's Session comically like, into, into the weird. Autopsies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I just thought, I think it's funny that, I don't know if this is an obsession, but like she's the one character in the story who every single time, like she's been flashed over and over and she still, every single time she gets flashed says, I knew everybody was aliens. Like it's not weird to her at all because <laughs> right, no. she's mm-hmm. seen everything and they play that for comedy over and over again. Like right. mm-hmm. she's seen everything and she's into the weird. Yeah. yeah. So, and those would be the four main characters. Those, that yeah. Would have I didn't bother comic. with Zed. I'm sure there's something with Zed, but so mm-hmm. it's just, it's very, we've found that uh, when we've started doing this, every comedy seems to have them. Mm-hmm. It seems mm-hmm. to track. And sometimes great, every great comedy. every great comedy yeah. we've covered seems to seems they seem to have a comic obsession, and yeah. and, the, and the story seems to find ways to mine that for most of the comedy that involves that character. Mm-hmm. It's probably one of the most invaluable pieces of comedy writing I've ever. Yeah, had. I yeah. never thought about it. Before, I can imagine I think like about it every if time you're going to comedy now. If you're going to write a comedy movie, it's invaluable, and I would think if you're actually a sketch writer, mm-hmm. it's even more yeah, valuable because yeah. sketches that have shortcut. To be, that they have to be. So intensely comedically obsessed with something, yeah. You could, right you could there. almost see. Yeah. I mean, not that improvers would want to do this, but once you latch on, that's what you commit to. Yeah, right. Like this it's character will easier. not let it's go. It's clean and it's consistent, right? right. And it like it, yeah. it, it like informs the decisions that you make about it. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Well, what did you guys learn talking about Men in Black? I learned the the importance of uh, finding at the end of end of act two break into three a both a personal a moment that is a, a personal problem causing a, a personal problem and solving a overall story problem at the same time if you can find the personal and the overall story at once that's a great uh break into three yeah 
and I, I really like what they do with the bug, the thing we mentioned about the pinch point kind of stuff where they, they not only just do a pinch point, but they're constantly stacking that yes. pinch in, in a very fun way that we know it's inevitable that <laughs> yeah. that's going to be the end. And I, you know, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. I've seen it of, I don't know, maybe, maybe even a hundred times, I would say. And I've never thought about that escalation thing, to be honest with you. It never occurred to me yeah, until right now. So I'm going to say on this podcast, I learned that. I never thought about the actual symbiotic relationship of the opening at the border and at the ending. <laughs> and also, now that I think about it, when you said it, uh, the opening is where, you know, Kay loses a partner. And then the ending is where another yeah. man in black is lost. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, it's like a perfect right. symbiotic. And I bet you if we really yeah. listed them all, that there would be other scenes in the movie that bookend just like that. That bookend like yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah. I, it makes me love a movie I already loved more yeah. so i kind yeah. of impressed it was yeah. fun to look at this from a screenwriting standpoint because i very i haven't really done that before while looking at the ones you already love is hard but yeah. i, I kind of i enjoy it because i always feel like i end up loving them more endless rewatchability yeah oh yeah so it's also well, jamie sweet spot right here yeah the galaxy quests and the ghostbusters there's not the... many more left really <laughs> that's you can't think of another one. I mean, I'm not a big fan of evolution. Uh, some people like it. I like evolution. We're go- we're gonna do Ghostbusters uh-huh. in September. We'll do a Ghostbusters. That's the 35th yeah. anniversary. They're, they're really the classics. There's really three of them, and that's about it. Wow. Yeah. It's, I would think like a Joe Dante movie would fit in there somewhere. I it's certainly like even Gremlins and stuff. Uh, has or maybe Inner Space. Yeah. Something like that. Inner Space is a one I like a lot. The Burbs or something. I don't know. Yeah, maybe yeah, the Burbs it, a little bit. That feels like up your alley, but yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, guys. All right, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Men in Black, man. Yeah. Perfect so classic movie. Right. Go see the new one. Yeah. Oh, not that we care. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't really benefit us at all. Chills. I get, I get 10%. <laughs> and thank you, Jamie, for writing Titanic. Absolutely. Yes. You should watch it. <laughs> You've just listened to Writer's Blockbusters, a screenwriting podcast featuring two professionals and another guy. Available only on Thunder Grunt. Uh,